Coming up on this week's show, Casey Wells is here to talk about shadows, plot bunnies, and more. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 98 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by listeners just like you. We'll have a little bit more information on how you can help support this show in just a few minutes. Welcome back. Hello. Another week. Another week, yes. Our 98th week. 98. Oh my god, 100's almost here. Around the corner. Ah. Yeah. So this week I was busy. I tried to multitask by reading two books at once. Cool. Uh, It didn't work so well. I thought, I mean, okay, in theory, it should work just fine. I I have one audio book that I listen to in the morning mm-hmm. on my treadmill, and then I have one paperback that I would, you know, read, you know, in the afternoons or when I'm going to bed or whatever. Yeah. But the, th- the thing was is that uh, out of pure serendipity, uh, I just happened to pick two books where Home Renovation was a subplot. <laughs> and I, as I was reading and listening to these books, um, I'm not, did I'm, they overlap? I'm not, I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box. And I admit that at one point I started to get confused. I understand. Uh, so I had to kind of put one book down. Uh, but I did finish one book this week, and I'll be talking about it in a few minutes. Absolutely. You have had continued adventures with Dragon. I have, and I'm really liking it. I did about 12,000 words this week. Actually, I think it was a little higher than that. I didn't write that down before we started. Oops. Uh, but I'm getting at least my average typed words done in 20-minute sprints. And I'm usually up to 400 words more than that. And I think it's more a limitation of how fast I think and speak in those 20 minutes than what Dragon's actually doing. I think as I get more used to speaking the story, I will see my words in a 20-minute span jump up. Of course you will. And next week, we experiment with a whole new thing, and that will be the transcription side of Dragon, because I travel next week, so I will have a voice recorder with me to do my dictation into, but then I will come home and put that recorder into Dragon and let it transcribe what I have done during the week. So, hmm, interesting. A new phase of Dragon begins. Very, very interesting. Yes. Now, as I predicted... Yes, you did. <laughs> um, I had hoped you were wrong. I, I had hoped I would be wrong, too. This week, um, the next step in our author life arrived in our inbox... We received the edits, the first round of edits for Hockey Player's Heart. And I received, the next day, the edits for Schooled, which is the second book in the Code Winger series. So, edits for everyone over the next week. Uh, I actually went through the Hockey Player Heart edits over the last two days and looked at the please put commas here, not here (laughs) kind of stuff. And cleaned up some of the other easy-to-clean-up bits of business, uh, which will leave you with some other stuff to do over the course of the next week. 
And then I even started on uh, schooled a little bit too to start knocking off that stuff because they're all due next week and on Friday and Saturday respectively. So we'll be busy boys next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to give some congratulations to Katie and Sula who both want audiobooks of Brubaker's Tall, Dark, and Deported back a couple episodes ago. Congrats to you both. Hope you loved that book as much as Will did. I loved it to pieces. Indeed. And then, uh, as you might recall, we had, I believe it was Katie who asked about the Minaj books. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have additional uh, recommendations for that. So Ellen offered up uh, our books from our guest this week, actually. Uh, Casey Wells has A Bond of Three and A Bond of Truth that uh, are out there available, that are menage slash poly, and have a little bit of fantasy in them. And Craig Thang uh, suggested Playing for Keeps by Lexi Ander, which he says is a, or she, I'm sorry. They say it's a threesome and pretty vanilla. There's also the Adrift series by TJ Land, which is an exaggerated space comedy. Mm-hmm. And I believe you have another. Uh, I also probably, I want to recommend, I haven't read this particular series just yet, Um when this question came up, author Sylvia Violet was actually running a sale on the first book in her Fitting In series. So I want to recommend uh, Fitting In. Uh, it's sitting right here on my Kindle app, ready to go. Uh, it's in my TBR, and I'll be checking this out pretty soon. Uh, fit- the Fitting In series follows uh, threesome over the course of several books. So uh, if that's your thing, uh, check out some Sylvia Violet. Cool. And thanks to uh, to Craig and uh, Ellen for offering up some suggestions to our listener. So a big deal happened this week. Let's toot our own horn for... Ho- horn? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Let's toot our own horn for a moment, shall we? Indeed. Toot, uh, toot. <laughs> okay. You do that while I keep talking about what we got. <laughs> I'll just keep on doing it. I'll be tooting away. Uh, we were nominated in the 12th Annual People's Choice Podcast Awards, which is pretty amazing. Uh, we are in the Feast of Fools slash Fun LGBTQ category. Now, you may say, what is the Feast of Fools slash Fun? Uh, Feast of Fun is actually a podcast that was formerly titled Feast of Fools and is a long-running LGBT podcast that started back in 2005. These guys are on episode 2519. Just crazy. Congrats to them. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, we are very honored to be in this lineup of podcasts. Uh, many of them I know are on our iTunes. If you subscribe to this podcast, you might also be subscribing to these podcasts, which is awesome. Uh, the awards will be announced on September 30th, and uh, which is International Podcast Day. And you can check out all the nominees across all the categories at podcastawards.com. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, co-host. Oh, thank you. Congratulations to you as well. Um, so it is a uh, cycle for the cause time again. If you were listening last year, you know I talked about this uh, in the as the fall came on last year. Uh, this is my eighth year to be participating in cycle for the cause, although this year I am a virtual crew member because... Scheduling just doesn't allow me this year to get back to the East Coast uh, for the ride in September. Uh, But it continues to be an important cause for me. Uh, After In my seven years on the ride, I've seen a little bit of everything. I've seen people with HIV AIDS uh, triumph riding this 275-mile course. I've seen families get made. I've seen all kinds of amazing things. And it's important to me to keep supporting even from afar. 
Uh, so I encourage you, if you can, to support along with me. Uh, a dollar, a dollar, not a dollar, a hundred dollars uh, can go a very long way uh, here. It helps. $100 on its own helps prevent seven HIV transmissions by distributing safer sex kits. It administers eight HIV tests at the LGBT Center in New York to ensure that people know their status. And it provides care for 10 HIV positive people to help them lead happy, healthy lives. That's $100 does all that. Whether it's 100 people donating a dollar or one person donating a hundred, it's all good. Every amount helps. Now, if you're inclined to donate a hundred dollars, I will be happy to hook you up with an autographed copy of my new book, Tracker Hacker, once it comes out in October. If you wish to donate, that would be awesome. You can go to Big Gay Fiction Podcast slash Cycle 2017 for the donation form. And I thank you for anything that you might be able to contribute to that. Cool. As always, a very worthy cause. Now, you have some news. Uh, the Rainbow Gold Reviews uh, is continuing their special uh, two weeks. Yes. Uh, the RGR Trans Aware event started last Monday, runs through this coming Sunday, which is August 27th. Um, I've added a few books to my TBR because I keep, mm -hmm. I read every day to see what gets posted. I'm like, oh, I want to read that. Make a note, make a note, make a note. And my own Hat Trick 3 penalty shot was actually in the spotlight there this past Saturday. Uh, so if you haven't checked this out, uh, please go over to rainbowgoldreviews.wordpress.com and check out the Trans Aware event. And I think you'll find at least one or two books that you're going to want to read. And if you check out my post from Saturday, I'm actually giving away the Hat Trick box set, and I don't give away that box set very often. So you might want to check that out. Mm -hmm. Links are in the show notes. Yeah, lots of great recommendations. Now, now's the time in the podcast where we talk about Patreon. You can help support... P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. That's Sorry. my line. <laughs> Sorry. Stealing my thunder, bro. That's not cool. Sorry. Now, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For as little as 25 cents per episode, your pledge helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this podcast. And for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our super cool upcoming guests. Now, all patrons also have the option to have a personalized thank you sent to them. Mm -hmm. Personalized from me and you. Yes. Yeah. Also, every month that the pledges uh, cover our monthly production costs, we'll produce a bonus show, especially for our patrons. Bonus, now, bonus, bonus. the August bonus episode will release this Tuesday, August 22nd, and you can get all the details at our Patreon page. Just go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast and see what we get up to next. So we've been augmenting our summer TV with a little bit from Amazon. Uh, we've been checking out the last Tycoon series, uh, which started up recently with Matt Bomer and Kelsey Grammer. Mm -hmm. Do you want to explain what this is about, since your explanation skills are better than mine, typically? <laughs> typically, <laughs> Yes. Uh, the Last Tycoon is based on, I believe it was an unfinished novel mm -hmm. by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Uh, he passed away before he 
finished it. And it's essentially kind of a, a Roman Aklef of his time spent in Hollywood. Uh, one of those wonderful, you know, dark seedy underbellies of showbiz kind of things. Um, there was a movie in the 70s. I believe it was De Niro and uh, Robert Mitchum who played the uh, Matt Bomer and Kelsey Grammer roles respectively. Um, that I've only seen, I believe I've seen that movie once. I don't remember anything about it <laughs> other than it was uh, kind of a mess. It's a bit, despite the pedigree and the cast that's involved in that particular adaptation, uh, that movie's a pretty big snooze. Um, this series is not. Uh, no. I'm really, really enjoying it. We're only uh, three episodes in a run of about, I believe there are nine episodes total so far in this first season. So we're about a third of the way through. Um, last year, when Amazon was running its pilot season, I watched the pilot episode and was intrigued. I thought it set up a lot of interesting storylines, and Amazon has delivered. I think the show has uh, expanded on those threads, and it's actually really interesting. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed these first three. Um, I think Matt Bomer and Kelsey Grammer are both delivering amazing performances uh, mm -hmm. with the characters that they've got. Uh, Kelsey runs the movie studio that's at the heart of the show, and uh, Matt Bomer is his right-hand man trying to get all these movies made. And there's a lot of real-life Hollywood running through it, too, because like, they go to L.B. Mayer and for help and <laughs> and whatnot. So it's really interesting, and I'm, I'm curious to see how all these threads kind of will end up and connect together by the time we get to episode nine. Mm -hmm. um, I should have mentioned that the series takes place in 1936 during the depths of the Depression. So not only is the show sort of uh, dealing with all those holiday, Hollywood, blah, 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 all those Hollywood themes of, you know, fame and fortune and, you know, all the behind the scenes machinations. It's also dealing with... Uh, bread lines and sort of um, the political climate that was going on uh, before the just before the U.S. entered the Second World War. Mm -hmm. um, since it takes place in 1936, uh, everyone on the show is incredibly beautiful in that golden Hollywood kind of way. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt is exceptionally beautiful, uh, as are all of his co-stars. Uh, in particular, I, Jennifer Beals. Uh, oh, gosh. Jennifer Beals showed up as a, a, a demanding and calculating movie star in episode three, and she is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend you just try the series just to see her. Um, but, yeah, so everyone is gorgeous. The sets and costumes and locations are all, like, spot on. It's uh, all really, really well done. Yeah. So uh, if you have uh, a couple of spare hours to maybe binge a show... Uh, we highly recommend The Last Tycoon. Yeah, if you've got Prime, it's free with your Prime sub. Yeah. Now, you've read, you, despite not getting through two books about home renovation, you have completed a book. Um, I did get through one this week. Yeah. This week, the book I read is Out of the Shadows by Casey Wells, uh, who we're going to be speaking to in just a few minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, now, Out of the Shadows uh, is one of the books in the Dreamspoon Desires line. This particular book... Um, uh, I think it's technically supposed to explore the Beauty and the Beast theme, but that's really kind of tangential to the main story. Um, the setup is is that 
Christian Hernandez is a recluse. Uh, he spends uh, almost his entire life uh, in his apartment uh, without really speaking or interacting with anybody in the outside world. Um, there comes word that his uh, apartment has come up for renovation from his, like, you know, uh, the homeowners associate, or I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so he has to deal with someone coming into his house and tearing up his kitchen and his bathroom. Uh, this is, of course, <laughs> very traumatic for poor Christian. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, Hot and Sexy Josh is the guy who is going to come in and do the uh, renovations for him. And basically, the entire book is about the the blossoming. Fra oh, I can't believe I just said blossoming. Um, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. He the, said blossoming. The, the growing friendship between Christian and Josh, and that's kind of it. There's not a lot of conflict. I'm not selling this very well. I, I think I should point out <laughs> I genuinely adored this book. I love it to pieces. I think Christian and Josh are wonderful characters, two genuinely nice guys. Um, there, but there's very little conflict. Uh, the story really just focuses on them getting to know one another, kind of getting to learn their backstories and you know why they are at you know, where they are in their lives at this point in time and how they move forward uh, with a relationship despite Christian's challenges mm -hmm. that he has. So I think actually in the interview, I think you, you quantified this book really well in that it just plays out this incredible slow burn. Mm -hmm. This isn't one of the romances where they hop into bed first thing and then spend the rest of the book, you know, trying to figure out what their relationship means. This is about genuine growth and understanding. And uh, when they, towards the end, when they finally uh, kind of embrace, um, uh, embrace the relationship and the growth that Christian shows over the course of several weeks. Um, it's really wonderful. It's a really beautiful, sweet story. It's a sweet romance. Mm -hmm. I am about uh, a third of the way through the book at this point. I started it uh, middle of the week, and I'm loving it for that slow burn. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's really nice to see these two get a little closer together each time that Josh is in the apartment working. Um, so I'm liking it a lot. I'll probably be able to say more about why I like it uh, next week, because I'm sure I'll finish it over the course mm -hmm. of the week before the next show. So we both recommend Out of the Shadows, Absolutely. the latest book by Casey Wells. And luckily, earlier this week, we got to talk to Casey. Yes, we did. She joined us from the land of merry old England. Um, what did we talk about? Well, we talked, obviously, about this new book, but we also talked about... We had a range of topics, where she gets her inspirations from. We talked a lot about her covers, uh, because her covers are often quite distinctive, if you think about the material world covers, uh, especially. Um, and we learned a little bit about her writing process as well. She's she's prolific. She's working on, right now, three books in parallel with each other, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> so, uh, shall, we, shall we go chat with Casey a bit? Yes, let's. We're excited to welcome Casey Wells to the podcast. 
Casey started writing in 2012, although the idea of writing a novel had been in her head since she was a child. But after reading that first gay romance in 2009, she was hooked. She now writes full-time, and the line of men in her head clamoring to tell their story is getting longer and longer. If the frequent visits by plot buddies are anything to go by, that's not about to change anytime soon. Welcome, KC! Hi! <laughs> Sorry. It's great to have you here. Thank you. So, what Thank was you. the first gay romance in 2009? What triggered well, all this? That, that was Bareback by Chris Owen. Oh, good book. Good book. One of my all-time favorites. I Mine love too. that book, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to meeting Chris at GRL. Us too, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We're bringing books yeah, with us to get signed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited. So let's kick off with your latest book, Out of the Shadows, which I think we all can hold up here, which is a Dreamspun Desire book that just came out on August 15th. Yeah. Look, everybody's got one. So tell us about this book. Well, um, it all started because I'd written um, The Senator's Secret and I was talking with Ling West, a dream spinner, and I said, tell me a trope you haven't had covered yet. And she said, well, that was on Beauty and the Beast. And I thought, ooh, okay. And originally Christian was going to have been um, disfigured in a fire rescuing somebody. And then we thought, no, let's bring it down. Let's make it something more realistic, something that could actually happen. And so he ended up having an accident while he was helping a passing motorist. Um, I actually drew on um, a visit to Jamaica Plain in southern Boston to write that book because all the places that are in the book have actually been. Okay. Including J.P. Lick's ice cream shop, which was oh, wonderful. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was wonderful, so I had to put it in the book. But yes, there's, there's a there's a lot of a lot of me in that book, um, especially with there's, there's a movie night when they all go around to, to Christian's house to watch a movie, and they're looking at these DVDs and they pick Goon. And one of the characters turns to his friend and says, "So how can this be? For he is the quiz that's had a I'm a huge Goon fan. <clears throat> so yeah. That had to go in the book too. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun writing it. Seriously. But when it came to the the moment where they each outed each other and realised they were both gay, I had to um, ask a friend of mine, okay, I want some gay-themed movies. Okay? Because they're going to start throwing titles at each other. And we came up with this huge, long list. But it was... The bit I liked best was how he actually discovers that, that Josh is gay is when they start having a conversation about Harry Potter and trying to outdo each other. I love that part. I'm looking forward to that part. As we're talking, I have not finished the book yet. I am about uh, a quarter of the way through. Now, Will's finished it. <laughs> Don't no need to make that face. I'm <laughs> going to give it a rave review. Um, what yeah. struck me about this particular book um, it's a little bit different than a regular romance, or at least a category-length romance. Um, I would probably classify this as a very slow burn. Now, yeah. was that... Um, in context of the story, it makes perfect sense. 
I mean, the yeah. relationship develops the way it's supposed to, and, and that's wonderful. What was sort of... Uh, was it your idea from the beginning to sort of like drag out that sort of initial friendship and discovery phase in the book or did that just happen organically? Hand organically, but I have to say that when I was thinking about the two characters, the one thing I was not going to do was rush Christian mm -hmm. because here's a man who'd already been through therapy. He'd, he'd taken what he could from that and, and I wanted it to be slow because it was the only way it could be. It was the only way it could be. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of slow burn anyway. I hate hate reading books where, guess what, they're in bed in chapter one. No, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> having said that, I am doing that in chapter three. More that later. No, I don't like those kind of books. Um, I, I like a slow burn, and I like, I like the path as they go through in, and develop um, feelings for each other to be organic. Mm -hmm. That's my, my chief word because um, every book I write, I, I discuss with a wonderful person called Jason, um, who's my alpha and I love him to bits. And Jason is the one who will tell me straight away if something is not organic. That's his... If he tells me that flows, that works, then I'm happy. And we were, we were discussing this, and that was what we were saying, that it had to be a slow path. And that was all the question. You're lucky okay. to have it, Jason. That's really nice that you've got somebody who puts you on the right path at the alpha stage. And I trust him. I trust him implicitly. I mean, every book that you've had out of me in the past two years, will have gone through Jason first. We bounce ideas, which is like, I'll say, here's what I'm going to write. And he goes, oh, okay. And we talk about it, and I make loads of notes in, in these kind of things. Um, I've got about four or five of them. We make notes. As I'm writing it, I will, I'll Skype with him, and we'll have, have a two-hour Skype session on a Sunday afternoon where we're talking ideas, and I'm making more notes, and we're saying, well, how about this? Yes, you could do this. And he, he reads everything I... I write before anybody else does. I do trust him. And, yeah, he, we enjoyed talking about that one. He, It's a book he's very, very fond of. So. Now, you're quite prolific. I mean, you've had multiple books out this year already. What's your secret to keeping this line of men in your head, like, with the queue growing? Oh, um, Okay. When I when I first started, I just um, published through Dream Spinner, okay, for about a year, um, and then something happened uh, in my real life that made it so that I was going to write full time, and the decision was kind of forced upon me. But my father um, asked me a question. He says, "Could you make a living writing?" As in, could it pay the bills? And seeing as it was my salary at the time that paid the bills, I had to think about that. And I said, uh, if I just continue writing with Dream Spinner, then probably not. Um, because I brought out about four books with them in a year. And I said, but I did talk with a very good friend of mine, which was Sue Brown. And uh, she said, if you self-publish, then yes. 
you can make enough to live on. Okay. So 2013, I, I think I set the pace for what is now my style because so many books came out. So, so many self-published ones came out, at least three in the, the second half of 2013. So it's just, I have to write because otherwise we don't eat. Um, but apart from that, it's, I get up, I sit down and I have five days of solid writing. If my husband didn't get his way, it would be more. But then again, this is why I have the husband. <clears throat> yes. We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> but yeah, I, to keep it flowing, I keep writing. I have got a little distracted lately, I have to say. I was just thinking this last night that I look at my timeline on Facebook and I have got distracted. And it's all your fault. Not you personally, but Americans. Thank you very much. <laughs> Americans has got me distracted. Um, you probably know why as well. Americans have uh, us distracted too, so... <laughs> yeah, most of my... Um, uh, what do you call it? Most of my timeline at the moment is taken up with political posts. I don't recognise myself at the moment. I really don't. Um, I look at other authors who aren't doing anything like that, and I'm thinking... So why am I? And it just came to me that I have to. Mm -hmm. Keeping it feels wrong. So, so yeah, I could be writing more than I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, I recently read the first two books in your Material World series. Okay. Um, where did the idea for that specific series come from? Okay, um, I wrote a three-part snippet um, a couple of years ago after I saw uh, a friend of mine posing in lingerie. I actually saw this friend in San Francisco recently and said, this is all your fault. This book is your fault. And he said, ah, okay, yes. <laughs> and he wasn't denying it. Um, but yeah, I, I, saw the, I saw the photo of him wearing a pair of women's tights. You don't call them tights, you call them hose. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right. Um, and it just got me, set me down a rabbit hole. And I'm looking at all these images and thinking, wow, there are guys out there who like to wear lacy, pretty lingerie. So I wrote a snippet and I put it in my group and said, here you go. And all of a sudden, I've got all these people saying, oh my God, you have to write this. I want to hear more of this. Oh my God, this is, this is really good. So I thought, okay. So I decided I'd write Lace. So I thrashed out the, the first book. And then um, somebody started saying to me, you could write another one, you know. So it's like, what? You know, you pick, pick another material, pick another fabric. And that's how Satin came to be. I didn't intend to make it a series. Mm -hmm. But to give you an idea, so far we have lace, satin, I'm working on silk, there is denim, do you have, de you, you don't call it denim, it's stuff that cowboys wear? Yeah. Yeah. And suede, there are five. And then I have author Liam Livings on Saturday, 
suggesting brushed cotton, polyester, pleather, <laughs> and I wanted to strangle him. And I'm going, stop it, stop it. Oh, how about mixed fibre? So, yeah. So, at the moment, I have just written the first two chapters of Silk. Um, Silk is going to be a little different from um, Satin in that um, both characters are definitely gay. Um, and when you read the, the blurb, it sounds like a story, oh, you've seen it so many times, you have a rich businessman who, who hires an escort, etc. It's not what you think. And there's more to the businessman than meets the eye, and there's definitely more to the escort than meets the eye. And we were, I was just talking to Jason about this, and I'm saying the motives behind... Uh, the, the guy who's escorting are not what you might think. So I'm going to leave you waiting for that one. Cool. I'm, I'm enjoying writing it. Good. Cool. It, Do you have a target release date? I'm hoping for September. Okay, so right around the corner then. Yeah, it could be sometime in September. Let's talk about covers for a second. The covers for Material World are so specific and so good looking. How did you source those? Because I can't imagine that stock art. If you take a look at the cover of Lace, okay, and you have this beautiful lacy suspender belt and underwear, yeah? If I tell you originally that was a pair of dark blue briefs, and that is what Meredith Russell did with it. Wow. She was amazing. Yeah, that original photo, he was wearing a pair of dark blue briefs, and that's what she did with it. That is amazing. That, that's Photoshop excellence right there, for sure. Yeah. Now you know why Meredith does my covers. And we also and have a... I, Go ahead. Then I get satin, of course, and she came up with what you see. Silk was slightly different in that um, I approached a friend of mine who's a photographer in New York, Michael Kraft, and said to him... He'd done the cover for me for Saving Jason. And that had a friend of mine, Stephen, who'd wrote to his friend Dennis, who has a clothing company in New York, and asked him would he be on the cover. Dennis was over the moon, yes please. And then I met Dennis in New York in June and said, would you like to be on the cover? Oh, yes, he said. Um, What would this one be? So would this one you'd be wearing a lot less? Oh, okay. Yeah, he was more than happy to do that. But when the proofs came through, he sent me his favourite three and said, I think it should be one of these. Not that you have to use one of those, but I think I look good in these three. And I'm going, okay. And I didn't choose one of his three. And I don't think he's talking to me now. So. Oh. <laughs> I, I liked it. I was a bit concerned about the model that Michael found put in the um, on the other cover and he says what do you think and Andrew beautiful he's an absolutely gorgeous guy and I said I think it won't sell as many copies and he says why and I said well I hate to say it, but we were discussing this at, at Europride and that if you have a cover with one or more characters on the cover who are not Caucasian sales drop even in the even now in 2017. And I said, and that is plain wrong. And he said, do you want to change him? I went, no, I don't. I like him. I want him to stay. 
Right, he said. So when I first revealed the cover in my group, the one of the first comments I got was, how refreshing, that's lovely. So I'm pleased. I think it looks gorgeous. Yeah, all of those covers are just stunning. I, I tend to, even with Dream Spinner, I choose my own photographs where I can. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the cover for Step by Step, I found the, the photo in Strangeland Photography, and I said, that's it, I want that photo, because it perfectly captured the relationship between Guy and Jamie. I wanted it. Um, the cover of Before You Break, I found the photo and said, Therese Dante, this is what I want, because it, it sums up the feeling between the two. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I like to work. Now and again, if I can't find something, um, I'll rely on um, Dream Spinner to see if they can come up with something. For example, I mean, the cover of um, um, Dom of Ages shows a very muscular guy in silhouette who's sitting cross-legged. That was a stock photo. And Parker Williams and I were discussing what was going to go on the cover. And he had all these different ones that we've been sent. I'm going, nope. Nope, nope, nope. I said, hang on a minute. I sent him this one. I said, what do you think? And he said, he looks like he should be the Don rather than the sub. We'd have to make it obvious he was the sub. And I said, I can do that. (laughs) So then I got onto Dirk Kaber and I said, okay, I want one of your photos. Your head's not going to be showing. It's going to be you in your leather in a stance that makes it obvious that you are the Don and I'm going to put you in the background. And he said, fine, set me all the photographs, I picked one, we put them in the background, and it worked. Mm-hmm. It absolutely worked. So, oh, and then of course there was first, yeah. Well, and, and moving to first, we've actually got a question from one of our patrons, Katie. And mm-hmm. she was curious, you know, does it cost more to use known cover models, like in that case? or And, and does it help the book to sell better? Because she loves the cover of first and thinks it fits the book so well. That's why I chose the photo. Um, when I had the idea for first, it was Mike, the, the bartender in the story, was based on a real person who actually is a bartender in a, in a bar in Atlanta called Woofs. And I met him, and he also did porn. Um, not as for as long as Mike having the story, but there you go. And then I saw a picture of Dirk Kaber. And he'd been on the cover for an Andrew Gray book. And I thought, oh, my God, he could be Mike. So I messaged him. I messaged him on Facebook and said, how do you feel about being on the, on the cover? Great, he said. Um, he was going to be in London. I was going to be in London for a day for a book signing. We met up. We spent five hours talking. Um, I actually interviewed him because I then realized that his experience would help with the book. Um and that's how he came to be my technical advisor on it. But as for the photo, he sent me um, a whole a whole load of photos to choose from. And originally, it was going to be him and another figure for Tommy. So Paul Richmond at DreamSpinner sent me five drafts. Four of them had Dirk plus somebody else. The fifth one was just this single photo of him. And I just went, that one. And Dirk's going, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, that one. He says, why? He says, because 
the expression on your face. That is exactly what I want. Then came the problem, because um, if you're buying a photo, or if Dreamspinner are buying a photo, then obviously they're not going to want something that's going to cost the earth. And when it turned out that the photographer wanted quite a bit more than we'd anticipated, um, I was beginning to think, I'm not going to get the photo. It's not going to happen. And Elizabeth North was brilliant. She just said, leave it with Paul. It'll get sorted. Leave it with Paul. And would you know, a week later, I got a call and he said, you've got your photo. <laughs> so, I absolutely love that cover because it's perfect for the book. Has it sold more? Um, the number of reviews said, oh, my God, that cover. So maybe. Um, I remember uh, sitting at RT for the first time and I had a cup I had first with me. And there's a guy walking past me. Now, he's not going to stop and buy a book. He's just kind of glancing. But he glanced and glanced and glanced. And ten feet past me, he was still looking at the book cover. <laughs> yeah, okay. It works. So. Now, you just mentioned Parker Williams. Um, mm -hmm. So aside from keeping busy with your own work, you co-write with Parker. How did your partnership with him get started? Oh, God. Um, end of 2012, I'd just written um, An Unlocked Heart, which was going to be uh, the first of three books set in a BDSM club. Um, I sent Will... I met Will on Facebook, because, of course, then he was Will Parkinson. I, I met him on Facebook. I sent him a copy to read. He absolutely loved it. Um, and over Christmas, I said to him, um, if you ever want to co-write a book, no. Okay, that was fairly emphatic. Okay, fine. And a week later, we're talking on Skype, and he's saying, you know your idea about co-writing? I said, you've had an idea, haven't you? Yes. What's your idea? And his story was all about um, a young American book, uh, guy who is lured to the UK, who's being groomed. And he starts talking to me about this, and I said, that could be a Coles and Cuffs book. Yeah? I said, what if he's at the airport and Ben, the barman from Coles and Cuffs, finds him? Ooh! Oh, I like that. Now, by this time, I'm plotting and writing Trusting Thomas, and he's discussing it with me, and we're bouncing ideas off each other. So by the time I got to the end of Trusting Thomas, which was always going to be the second book, the third book was supposed to be about Dorian. Only it wasn't, because by then, Will and I had the idea of someone to, to keep me. So we started writing. And that was the first book we wrote together. He found the cover for that one. He found a photo of, of Justin Dean, his boyfriend at the time, Chris Crook, and said, this is the photo we want. And we managed to get it. Well, Paul managed to get it. See, Paul Richmond, wonderful man. Um, I wrote the fourth one on my own, and then he said, "We had to. We had to talk about Jeff, the guy we brought in." Oh, okay. So Dorian got pushed back again, and we wrote the fifth one, which was Damien's Discipline. And I'm thinking, I really need to write Dorian's book. So he finally got written. He was number six. That was one of mine. That was what he saw. And then he'd had. I put up with a year 
of Will Talking About an Older Sub. I want to do a book where the sub is older. Okay. These were very much his babies. They seriously were. Um, by the time we came to write the book, he'd already written so much of it. I, I ought to explain how we do this. Um, before I even get to write the book, he's been thinking up scenes. He writes them, he saves them in the folder in Dropbox, and I get to read them. And then generally I get to say to him, please put them in the right chronological order or I'm going to kill you. Um, but yeah. Um, it can be anything from 10,000 words to 20,000 words. It depends. Then we discuss how we're going to start. I start writing and I might write a chapter on my own or I might pull in the bits he's already written. So what you see is an absolute mix, a melange of the two of us. People, people assumed with someone to keep me that he wrote Scott because that was the American character and I wrote Ben because that was the British character but it didn't work out like that. We wrote them both. So I will write things and he'll go, what are we all saying over here? And he'll change it because it's for Scott. Or he'll write something and I'll say, we don't have soups. We don't do pancakes. We don't have nightstands. We don't do... And he goes, you weird! The, 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 phrase I have got, the phrase I've got used to of the past five years is, you English are weird. <laughs> Seriously. So. What's your typical day look like? Since, you're, since you write full-time, how do you split up your day between all the tasks a full-time writer must do? Oh, okay. Um, my day doesn't begin until the husband goes to work. Okay, so I've got him out the door and the coffee pot is on and I'm ready. The first thing I usually do is look at emails, do some promo, and that's the first thing to try and get that out of the way. But I don't do, I'll do about an hour unless I woke up and I've had it in my head that I've got to get this down, in which case the promo can wait because I'm going to start writing. Um, some days, I mean, today is a beautiful day. Um, if it's not raining or blowing a gale, then by 10 o'clock, I'm in the car and I'm driving 10 minutes down the road to Seacill Cove, which is this little little seaside cove uh, with a cafe where the literally, the, the, when the tide comes in, the waves will come and lap over the walls. But it's beautiful. I mean, I've taken videos down there and I've put them on Facebook. That's where I go to write. I call it my writing room. Um, I've got a sign on Facebook that says, Girl Gone Writing, and there's a picture of where I go to write. In fact, somebody saw that today, didn't you, Will? I did. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes, that's where I've been today. It was a nice day, and I just go down there because there's no internet. There's no phone signal. I can just leave the world behind and just go right. On a good day down there, I can get between five and 6,000 words written. And usually, I end up writing about between three and 4,000. But it's, it's great. I mean... Um, sometimes I do get interrupted by people who say, what are you writing? Oh, would we have heard of you? <laughs> um, and it's had a, no, there, no, there was, there was actually my, um, oh my God moment from a few years ago when a guy actually said to me, you're Casey Wells. And I went, uh, yes. I actually put this in a book. I'd written three books based on the island. And the second one, September's Tide, was set down in Steeple Cove. There's, um, a rental property called the Lighthouse, 
and it's actually on the cover. Uh, and I had my jaded, um, b- blocked writer come and spend a month in Steeple Cove and stay in the lighthouse. So this guy says to me, I read September's Tide. We, we, we Googled Steeple Cove and found out it was a real place. So we came here last year on holiday. He said, and this year, we're staying in the lighthouse. You're not! Oh, wow. <laughs> he said, and we came for coffee this morning at the cafe, and we're sitting there watching this woman who is typing away, and we both thought, no, no, it couldn't be. <laughs> and it was that was the weirdest moment, because he brought out his Kindle, and there were all my books on his Kindle, and that was the weirdest thing to see. That's so okay. incredibly cool, too. It was... I had on a t-shirt that said, um, I'm a writer, and anything you say will end up in one of my novels. And he just looked at me, and he said, so are you writing a novel today? And I said, no, today I'm writing a novella. Would I have read you? He said, only if you read Gay Romance. And that's when he said, you're Casey Wells. And I'm thinking, Kathy Bates, misery, number one fan, seriously worried here. And then he said... I'm here because of you, and that was even weirder. And I'm thinking, oh my god! Um, yeah, I think once it turned out not to be an axe-wielding maniac, so I was quite happy. <laughs> yeah, because down there with no cell service, no internet, you could just yeah. They're, they're kind of used to me down there. The, the, the owner of the cafe um, complains that how does he put it that he's had more gay couples down there since I started writing, and I tell him. No, you had them before, you just didn't notice them. <laughs> yeah. Well, those plot bunnies are certainly keeping you very busy. With your with your own books, you've also uh, decided to start a new pen name? Oh, I have three now. <laughs> I have three pen names. I did not envisage this. So there's Casey Wells, and then there's Tantalus, that's the, the gay erotica side. Um, and then I'm I'm venturing into pastures new this year. Um, I'm writing my first MF. And uh, I had great fun plotting it all out and working it, but um, there is now a Facebook page, website, Instagram, and Twitter um, uh, page for a Catherine Greenway, which is so I'm hoping to have that out within a few months. I'm nearly halfway there already. Uh, it's it's new. I'm I'm actually interested interested to see what people think because I have a very very strong heroine, and I keep reading all these complaints about these wishy washy heroines in MF, and I'm thinking I'm not writing one of those. She's she's stubborn. She's, she's really strong. She's, you know, she knows where her head is. I'm thinking, this could be interesting. So we'll wait and see. I am not putting Casey Wells on the cover. The cover is already made. It just says Catherine Greenway. I am not writing Casey Wells writings. I don't want to do that. Right. Um, I'm not sure why, but no, I don't want to do that. There, there will be enough people who know it's me anyway. But I'm going to be sending it to various um, promotion companies uh, for blog tours. And I won't be saying, please market this as, this is Casey Wells. As far as they know, it's a new romance author. Mm -hmm. What was the decision behind uh, dipping your toes in the proverbial uh, traditional romance field? Was it, uh, I think, just 
was it a business decision that you wanted to give this a try or were the plot bunnies sort of chomping at the bit on this particular project? No, this, was, this was definitely a business decision. Okay. Um, when I first started writing, um, there, there were quite a few, I mean, um, some very, very famous MF, MM writers. Um, and then more started appearing and more and more. And suddenly we have an explosion of MM writers. Um, and common sense tells me that I need, to def- I need a bit of um, diversification here. Mm-hmm. That I can't have all my eggs in one basket. I love, I love writing in them. Um, I'm much happier writing gay romance than I am writing a traditional romance. I'll tell you that now. Um, it feels different. I'm not sure I like it as much. Um, but I'm going to see how it goes. Besides uh, Catherine Greenway getting started by the end of the year, what else is in your pipeline for the rest of 2017? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um Two days ago, I started writing my first murder mystery. Fun. So yeah. what made you jump into that particular pool? A conversation on a train. I was on a train coming from Birmingham to Southampton, and I got talking to two ladies who live in a little English village not far from Bournemouth on the south coast. And... They knew I was a writer, and we're discussing this, and they said, oh, we've got the perfect story for you. I went, really? And she said, yep. She said, um, she starts telling me about a guy who was found dead. Um, Apparently, he'd hung himself. But all of a sudden, she's saying, we don't think he did. Why? Well, because when they found his car, which was open, there was um, a note in the glove box that said, if you found me, then the psycho got me. And I said, mm. oh? <laughs> and then they started telling me who they thought had done it. And you suddenly had this little English village, and this guy could have been murdered. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, I like that idea. So what did I do? I told Elizabeth North at Dream Spinner. So she you're going to have a Dream Spun undercover, aren't you? <laughs> No, not quite. I don't know what this is going to go out as. It's going to be a romantic suspense because my two amateur sleuths are um, going to be uh, a couple of gay guys. It, the romance part might be secondary to the murder, I have to say, um, but there will definitely be a romance element. I think it's more likely going to be a romantic suspense. Um it, I could also see it being um, a Dreamspun um, publications one. I don't know where it's going to fit. Okay. I really don't. I look forward but, to reading this one. This is going to be fun. Oh, the, the, the thing for me was realizing that I was plotting backwards. I had to start at the end. I had to work out, okay, who's my bad guy? Why is he the bad guy? How did he kill him? Why did he kill him? What's going to give it away that he's the bad guy? Because we're never going to see anybody's point of view apart from the main character. It's been fascinating. And I've been sitting there working out this, these intricate... And then my husband said, I've got an idea. I thought, oh my God. So he came up with 
how we're going to discover that the murderer is in fact the murderer. So, my murder mystery will be with Dream Spinner by the 1st of November. Because then I've got Parker Williams, who's waiting to start book three of Secret. And he's already got 99,000 words in a folder, so as usual. And that's going to be our first ever menage. BDSM. So that's going to be a little different. So that one's coming up. Then I've got Silk, which I'm trying to get out for September. Mm-hmm. Then I've got my... Um, my ministry, then I've got um, my MS, and that's got to be out. That's going to be out in a few months. Oh, I've just thought there's another one as well. I'm writing the last Tantalus short story to end the Dame of the Peach series. So I've got four books. <laughs> you are a busy woman. Oh my God! It gets worse. I'm not allowed to write at weekends. <laughs> I am not allowed to write at weekends. You need to have he some time off to recharge. When he comes home, I'm supposed to stop. That's easier said than done. And sometimes, there has been the odd occasion where he's come home, he's stuck his head on the door and he said, I'll make dinner, you're in a roll. And carry on writing. But usually, uh, I see his little van pulling onto the driveway and I think, oh God, I've got to stop. So yes. Um, however... He is very nice in that Sunday afternoons, which is usually the only time I get to Skype with Jason, he says, I'll just disappear while you talk to Jason, which is good. But normally it's a case of, yeah, weekends, uh-uh, stop with. So what's the best way for everyone to keep up with all of your activity uh, online? Okay, um, Facebook is the, the first one because I'm always on there. Um, I do Instagram I've done this for more, I think, the last year than ever before, and I tend to put out things that are kind of inspirational or have made me think on there. Um, Twitter. Twitter, I, I'm doing a lot of retweeting at the moment, and again, that's the politics, so I blame you. We've already had this conversation. Um, mostly Facebook. Um, I have, people have uh, messaged me via the website too. The website, I'm um, yeah, I have a website and I have a blog. I have to say the website I need to sort out because I'm not up to date. Well, we'll link up to all that stuff in our show notes uh, so everybody can find you and find your books. Okay. Casey, it's been awesome talking to you. We're so happy you joined us. But yes, thank you guys. It's been great talking to you. In Somewhere on Mackinac by Jeff Adams, Jordan Monroe travels to Mackinac Island for the Somewhere in Time fan celebration weekend. Once there, he becomes attracted to local stable owner Miles Coulter. When Jordan learns the stable's in trouble, he wants to help despite Miles' resistance. As their relationship grows, he dreads the issues that face them. Can they forge a love as timeless as the romance in their favorite film? Find out in Somewhere on Mackinac by Jeff Adams. Available from DreamspinnerPress.com, Amazon.com, and other ebook retailers. So I had a blast talking to Casey. Mm-hmm. I mean, despite the fact that we've talked to her several times at a couple of cons. I feel like we really dug in on some on some stuff with her that we hadn't talked about before mm-hmm. with writing process and everything. Yes, as always, it's wonderful spending some time with Casey. Uh, and as she mentioned, she will be at GRL in Denver. So if you enjoy her books as much as we do, you can certainly say hi, maybe have her sign a book or two. Absolutely. I think we'll be taking a couple, like the one that's in your <laughs> hand still. Most likely, yes. So 
coming up in episode 99, Trina Lane will be here as part of the 2017 GRL blog tour. Yes, indeed. And she'll have a giveaway for us as well. Ooh, so that... look forward to next week. It Definitely. That sounds cool. <laughs> so remember, guys, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until then, keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 